Good morning. Let's all stand up together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And then fill my cup, Lord. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor song. To him who overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall worship the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer. Ask him to come and meet with us today. Father in heaven, we come before you and we claim your promise that where there are two or more gathered, there you are in our midst. And Lord, we welcome you to come and move in our hearts. Draw us nearer to you that we might know you better, that we might be conformed to your image, that we might be the servants you have called us to be. Help us as we worship you. Empower our singing and guide our praying that in every way we might honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Please stand, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, This Is My Father's World, and then Psalm 150. This is my Father's world. 
that this life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to Verses 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Title of our message this, man, this morning is Man's Judgment is a Very Small Thing. And where I'm going with that when we go into this text is oftentimes people around us judge us. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Where somebody meets you and maybe they judge you based upon your clothes. Or maybe your job, maybe the car you drive, maybe your faith. Who knows what it is that somebody chooses to judge you based upon. When you come to the Bible, when you come to this particular text, God reminds us that really what that neighbor, that coworker, that friend, that other person thinks of you is a pretty small thing. Really, the one who matters is God. Amen. For neighbors will come and go. Friends will come and go. Co-workers will come and go. Fashion, styles, jobs, all will come and go. But God is forever. So when we listen to this text, and I'm going to read down to you verses 1 through 8. I want you to listen and I want you to take from this this morning the understanding that if you're trying to please everybody around you, you've got the wrong target. We want to try to please God. Amen? Look with me, if you would, at this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, 
but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. In these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself into Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that, one might, that, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? as if thou hadst not received it. Now ye are full, now are ye rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. So the Apostle Paul, as God inspires him to pen these words, he's writing to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a Gentile region. It's a Roman region. In fact, Corinth was a city that was highly prosperous. It was part of the major trade routes of the Roman Empire. And the people who lived there really did prosper. They did well. Unlike the Jews back in Jerusalem, if you became a Christian in Corinth at that time, you were not necessarily ostracized or thrown out. Maybe looked upon as odd or strange, because you weren't worshiping the Roman gods or the Athenian gods. But you didn't lose your job. In Jerusalem, if you became a Christian, your family might throw you out. Your job might fire you. You might be thrown out of the whole community. So when we listen to Paul right here, we understand that he is writing to a part of Christendom at that time that was prosperous. In fact, in other texts, he writes them and asks them to please send an offering to Jerusalem to help those who are absolutely impoverished. But he's also touching upon something here, because sometimes when we live well, when we're blessed, when we prosper, we have a tendency to judge others who aren't. Maybe we look away and we see somebody who's struggling and we, and we may blame them. We think to, to ourselves, well, well, that's because they're not hardworking enough or they this or they that. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, sometimes we judge and we really don't know. In fact, he comes down in the text, we'll see in a minute, where he says to us, maybe you should not judge until the end. When God will reveal the things of the heart as well as the deeds not seen. So he's really bringing us to a place of reflection and consideration. He's making us look at us and others and understand that maybe we should stop looking at us and others. Look with me again at verses 1 through 5. And we see that he reminds us that we are all judged by God. It's really God who sets the standard not us. He says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You see, he wants each of us to understand we have a role, a responsibility. 
And that role and responsibility is for you and I to be the ministers of Christ, the stewards, the keepers of the mysteries or truths of God. That's our primary role. Whether you're a carpenter or a scientist, whether you work at McDonald's or you work for Goodrich, Collins, whatever it is this week. Whatever job you have, when you go to your job, he's saying to us, what we really are, are ministers for our God. We are stewards of the truths of God. Because all around you are people who are struggling to have peace, forgiveness, purpose, direction, security. They want to be okay. And they're not finding it in their job. They're not finding it in politics. They're not finding it in social movements. You and I are the stewards of the message of hope that can be found only in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants to set for us a foundation, a base upon which we understand, we build the understanding of who we are and what we do. It's not our clothes. It's not how tall we are, how short we are, how fat we are, how skinny we are that make us the person we are. The person we are is from inside. And so he comes down. He says to us in verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's not a high standard, is it? Just be faithful, he says. You and I, as the stewards of the truths of God, you and I, as ministers of Christ in our families, our jobs, our community, he says, simply, I need you to be faithful. It's not that you need to do it as well as the other guy. You just need to be faithful. If we're not careful, we judge everything we do based upon somebody else. We look at them and think, oh, I'm doing a better job than they are. Maybe. Or we think to ourselves, well, boy, why, don't, why, don't, why do I not have as much as they have? Well, you don't know their circumstances. They may have nothing. Maybe the bank has everything and they're just letting them use it. When you look at this text, he tells us, he says, the real standard in life is that you are found faithful to the Lord. Faithful. This week I was on vacation. My kids, my, my son Josh came up from Virginia. Joy went from New York with her kids, her husband, her family. Sandy and I drove down to the Cape. And uh, we all pitched in our share and, and rented a house and just spent the week together. And uh, the other day, we went to the piers, the docks, where the fishing boats were bringing in all their fish. It's so, I'm a strange person. I even like the smell of fish coming in. I know, I know, it's odd, isn't it? So the boat pulls up, and they got all these machines and stuff that are pulling buckets after buckets of flounder. They're pouring them down the stainless steel chute that's going into the plant behind us here. And one of my grandsons, who's 12 years old, standing beside me, I said, man, Aaron, you could be a fisherman someday. He said, no, Gramp. 
He said, I don't want to be a fisherman. But he said, when I'm a millionaire. <laughs> then he starts waxing eloquent about being a millionaire. And I looked at him and I said, listen, a million dollars is not going to get you far by the time you're an adult. Because being a millionaire, I'm not sure is going to really secure him much. I said, but maybe a multimillionaire. And he looked up at me and said, a billionaire. <laughs> now, I don't know where that went from looking at flounder <laughs> shooting down the chute. But he's making life judgments at 12 years old. I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool to go out to sea and be a fisherman? And he's thinking, I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> if we're not careful, we forget that really God just called us to be faithful. That's what he called us to be. He didn't call us to be a billionaire, nor did he call us to be a fisherman other than a fisher of men. He called us to be faithful. So here you find the Apostle Paul, as God inspires him to pen this, he lays for us the foundation that that's where we begin as a person. If you're worried about what your neighbors think or your friends think or your family thinks or your co-workers think, the thing you need to step back and ask yourself, does God find me faithful? That's really what matters. Look down with me, if you would, at verses 3 and 4. He says, but with me is a very... But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Now that's pretty introspective, isn't it? For the Apostle Paul to say to us, you in Corinth, it's a little thing to me what you think of me, nor what other people think of me. In fact, I really don't even judge myself. And that's because he's reverting back to the foundation. And what was the foundation? To be found faithful. To be found faithful. As a steward of the mysteries of God and a minister of Christ, touching and influencing lives, be found faithful. He said, it really doesn't matter to me whether you think I'm faithful or whether even I think I'm faithful. Does God think I'm and in your life, whatever it is that you do, wherever it is that you go, when you step back and look at your life, it's not how much you prosper or gain or, or gather, but have you been found faithful? He comes down a little bit farther in the text and listen as he continues on. He says, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So he sets that standard with a very, very foundational thing of just being found faithful. But with a very high standard when he says that, you know what, it is God who judges me. Because we can fool one another, can't we? Oh, it's easy to fool one another. Uh, I told you I was on vacation with the family, and so I heard the girls, my daughter Joy and my daughter-in-law Ashley, they were out in the hallway, and they were talking clothes. And so Joy was, which she was un, un, getting laundry out of the laundry thing, and Ashley was over here, I think she was folding laundry, and they're talking clothes, and they're talking styles of clothes.
and she and Joy lifted up something and she said, yeah, we got this, this, and this is from where and where. And, and Ashley says, yeah, we got this, this, and it's from where and where. And they've got all these kids. Joy has six, Ashley has two. And so I came walking out the other, other door and I stopped and I said, and these I got from Costco. Because <laughs> I wanted to impress them. <laughs> We all do it. We all kid around and we, but it's the world we live in today, isn't it? My grandkids, just little kids. I mean, we're talking eight, nine years old. And I heard, heard one of them talking about Abercrombie and Fitch. Is that it? And I'm thinking to myself, who at eight or nine years old even knows Abercrombie and Fitch? Apparently the kids do. And sometimes we make judgments upon all kinds of things. But the apostle pulls us back as Christians. He pulls us back. And he says, remember, the one who really judges us, the one who really determines who we are, is God. Look at verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Isn't that interesting? He took us from that most foundational thing that all we need to be is faithful. And then he gave us that highest of visions that we are ultimately judged of God. But then he really gives to us the middle. He fills in the middle. And he helps us to understand that really there are, there's all that that fills in that are the hidden things of darkness and the counsels of the hearts. So we step back in each of our lives and we ask ourselves, where am I living? Where, what is my life? Is my life a life of hidden things of darkness? Or is my heart a heart of sincerity and truth? Because God is going to judge all things as I strive to be faithful. That which reveals the real me is those hidden things of darkness and those things within my heart. So Paul reels us in, doesn't he? He gets us right in where we ourselves look at these truths and we take a moment of reflection. There's a lot of people who don't like to reflect. They don't like to contemplate and to consider and introspect. But it's good for you. It's like taking inventory to look and know. Sandra Joe and I got back from vacation and I was going to have a bowl of cereal and I opened the fridge and there was about that milk, about that much milk in the container. And I thought, hmm, I've been gone a week. <laughs> and I yelled upstairs, she was upstairs. I said, Sandra Joe, is this, is this milk any good? I don't know, Tim. That's not the answer I wanted to hear. I wanted to know. So I had to do an inventory. Now, normally, if she was downstairs, I'd say, here, smell this for me. <laughs> Sorry. 
And then, ultimately, I might even ask her to taste it for me. Because I'm just so bad at that. But she wasn't there. She was upstairs and I wasn't about to make her come down. So I went ahead and I opened that cap and I did the most daring thing. <laughs> and it was fine. I don't know what they do to milk now. <coughs> Sat in my fridge for a whole week and it was perfect. I don't know. Should I even drink something that lasts that long? But it's good to do inventory. It's a healthy thing. You not only do a little inventory of what's good or bad in your fridge, but what's good and bad in you. And that's what the apostle is doing here. He is reminding us as God stirs him that all of us need to remember it is ultimately God who judges, not us. And the standard is not our neighbor or the culture or the newest GQ magazine or whatever it is that's out there to tell you what's cool and what's not. God is the one who judges. But it is interesting, he carries on the theme into verses 6 through 8. Listen to what he says. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. That you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. That, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. So he says, I have taken this principle that I've talked to you about. That God is the ultimate judge. That we need to strive to be faithful. We'll be judged by him concerning the hidden things of darkness and that which lays in our heart. But he says, stop. And don't get puffed up. Don't look around and think to yourself, well, yeah, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. I think, yeah, I think I've arrived. I think I'm, I'm really a good, good person. He says, wait, wait. Slow down a little bit. Listen to what he goes on to say. Verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Nor if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? So what he's doing is he's pulling us back and he's saying, wait, don't get puffed up in who you are or what you are or what you have. He says, where did you get it? How did you get it? Wasn't it given to you? Oh, no, not me. I am a, no, I'm a self-made man. Really? Because every opportunity that comes your way is a gift from God. Every breath you breathe, every step you take. Everything that comes to you, in fact, the scripture says all things that are good come from God. So whatever it may be in your life or my life, and the point he's making here is no matter what we have, we have it because it's a gift from God. We've been, we've received it. So all of a sudden that puts us on a whole different plane, doesn't it? Because if we're not careful, we think that we are so amazing. And God says, hmm, Let's look at the heart. Let's look at the hidden things. 
Let's look at the base standard and the highest standard. And then let's understand that everything in between, all those advantages you may have, all those skills, all those talents, all those gifts, they come from God. I have to admit, I struggle sometimes with the culture we live in today of the way it rewards certain talents. I was talking to a preacher the other day and he asked me, he said, hey, are you watching the game tonight? And I have to admit, I, did, I had no idea what he was talking about. But he was so excited, I hated to let him down. So I kind of, I kind of responded in such a way as that, like maybe I had at least a hint of what game he was talking about. And he, so he said to me, he says, you know, you know the, the, the college game tonight. And I still wasn't sure, are we talking about baseball? What are we talking about here? And then so I, I kind of worked it, and finally I found out it was some kind of basketball game, some playoffs that happened, what, a couple weeks ago? I'm not sure. And I finally admitted to him, I said, yeah, I don't watch a lot of sports on TV. And part of my difficulty is, there are people out there who work every single day hard to try to find a cure for cancer. And we don't even know their name. And they make, they make an okay living. And then we have other people who have been given the gift of basketball or baseball or football or whatever it may be. And we pay them millions and millions of dollars in adoration. I struggle with that. Because there are people who will make a massive difference in your life. Maybe they discovered penicillin. Or maybe they discovered aspirin. Do you know they say if they discovered aspirin today, it would be the miracle drug. Because aspirin does so much for people, but we take it for granted. But who invented aspirin? Bayer? Was it Bayer? Did we pay him millions and millions? I'm not sure how I got running off this rabbit trail. But when we look at this, he says to us, he says, you know what those gifts we have? They're gifts from God. If you're strong like a bricklayer, God's gifted you with that. If you're smart like a rocket scientist, God gifted you with that. Thank the Lord for it. There's so many things in our lives that we take for granted and maybe we even boast of them. And Paul says to us, they're actually a gift. You received them. You received them from the Lord. So why get puffed up in them? Just be thankful. He comes down into verse, verse 8. He says, now ye are full. Now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings among us, with, uh, without us. And I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. To understand this really completely, you have to go to, you have to go back in history to the time and place where they lived. So there in Corinth, one of the wealthier cities of the, of the Roman Empire, part of that big trade route. Just like as if you went across over into modern day Turkey and you were to go to some of those major trade cities there. The people were wealthy by what then that world standard of wealth was. 
I went to Ephesus, ancient Ephesus. And as you walked into the city, there are, there's piping from ancient Roman Ephesus because they had piping. They had public restrooms. Not like I'd like to use today, but like they used then. It wasn't just a hole out back. It was a public marble seated. I don't even have a marble seat at my house. Maybe you do. <laughs> These people, they lived rich. And that's exactly what he's saying to them. He's saying, you, you live like kings. Now, by American standards today, we look and think, wow, that was pretty rough. By the standards of the rest of the world then, they lived like kings. And Paul tells them, he says, you've lived like kings. And I'm glad. I'm, hey, rain on, he says. But he's qualifying that by don't forget it's a gift. Don't forget what you have is a gift from God. And you and I sitting in this room this morning. You and I that enjoy the blessings of where we live and when we live. We should be a thankful people. Don't judge others because they don't have what you have. Don't judge others because maybe their circumstances are not as gifted as yours. But rather what we should do is step back and say, thank you, Lord, for what I do have. Thank you for my gifts. As he comes down, look with me if you would, as he comes down to verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Now ye are full, now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign that we also might reign with you. And I like that, that he adds that sharing part at the end. Did you catch that? Mm -hmm. He says, I would to God that ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. So the apostle, as he journeys throughout that part of the world at that time, and will eventually end up in Rome, in prison, and be executed, he says, as you in Corinth are so blessed, don't forget to share with others. And you and I this morning, don't allow people to make you feel bad because your clothes come from Costco. And my kids weren't trying to make me feel bad. I was kidding around with them. But maybe you have friends who do try to make you feel bad because you're not tall enough or strong enough or thin enough or young enough or have a hair enough. I don't know. Don't allow them to make you feel bad about who you are. Because everything they have is a gift from God, just like everything you have is a gift from God. And you and I that are so gifted in whatever area, don't forget to try to share that gift. It's kind of like David trying to invest in the lives of young people from around the world and give them an American experience for one school year. That's sharing, isn't it? Anne opened up her house and a young lady from Japan, right, came and lived with her for a year. What an incredible 
opportunity for Anne and her family and that young lady. But that's just one area of sharing. You and I are blessed. We're like the Corinthians. We live rich. You know, when we get done today, we're going to go eat lunch probably. And you're going to be full when you're done. But there are people all around the world who will not be full today. And we need to share. We need to share with others through missions, through charity, through time, talent, energy. I'm so grateful for those who have come and helped us put the garage up out back here. Lots of time and labor and energy put in. Everything from dropping by donuts to driving nails. Everyone doing a little part. Maybe prayer was your part. Thank you very much. But we need to be, even as the Apostle says, not puffed up, but thankful and sharing. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of the message this morning. Father in heaven, please be with us as we go. Help us to go forth with your word hid in our hearts. Doers of your word rather than mere hearers. Lord, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty dismiss this morning.